Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Oh, lightning round questions, that sounds interesting. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society the Olympic Games is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you holding up? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. And speaking of hanging, I watched a little bit of surfing this weekend. To, Were you hanging to, 10? Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> no, I was actually more like very dazed and confused. You could say I had gotten into uh, I tuned in in the middle of I guess it's a world it's the World Surf League's Bells Cup because they've kept talking about a trophy with a bell on it. And when you win, you ring, you hold the trophy above your head and shake it until the bell rings. So I was trying to figure out what was going on. And and I got to tell you, you're if you're an announcer and you have a sport that not many people watch, it is really helpful when you kind of put in between actions what's going on and how it's scored because I got to tell you this was not a good foray for me watching surfing because what this was was a a 30 minute heat three people went out into the surf and and only one person came back no, it, that would like be that would be exciting. <laughs> that would be exciting. No, I mean, three people went out and they get thirty minutes to ride as many waves as they can and accumulate as many points as they can, and they change off who's got priority to pick the wave. So once you, if you have priority, you pick the wave that you want to surf on, and then come in, do your tricks, and I got to tell you, they all looked alike and score points i don't know how and then you paddle back out and the next person goes and they could just sit there for a good minute while they wait for the right wave to come and then like during that downtime would be a great time to talk about like beyond the fact that you're waiting for the scores like say why the scores are the way they are what judges are looking for when they are talking about scores but we didn't get that with this 
cruise. So, sort of the same complaint you had when you were watching breakdancing from the yes, youth very much so. <laughs> so maybe the the real problem is that now did they have a color commentator as long with yeah the, they, oh, had a, they had they had a couple people play? they had a couple people doing the so announcing. You think somebody would say hey right. because remember when yeah when Taylor Lipset did color commentary for sled hockey he was really good at like inserting little facts about the game and how it's played and how it's different than yes and standing and, hockey and so in a very natural way yeah it was really really good but these guys oh man maybe it's i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's lack of experience that that could very well be or the thought that you are a surfing fan therefore you should kind of know how it works or if they explained how it works at the beginning of the show and I missed it that's fine but I would think that if you are in a burgeoning sport any chance you get to educate the viewers who tune in or um you know who are just joining us I I don't know how to say it very well but you know I I think there's something to be said for kind of reminders along the way or how would I score this if I'm a judge, which kind of tells you a little bit more. I don't know. I have to agree. I know what you're talking about. And I used to always make fun of how every Olympics at the beginning of the Olympics uh, for figure skating, they would, they don't do this anymore. And maybe they should, they review what each jump is and why it's different. They do the little lesson. Mm -hmm. You always with Scott Hamilton demonstrating all the edges. Right. But for people who don't, you know, who only watch it every four years, it gives them something to focus on and to pay attention mm-hmm. to and makes them better consumers of the sport. Right. Although I will say the, at least here in the U.S., the NBC team is usually quite good about discussing some technical elements of what they're doing on figure skating. So, so, so let's hope that when NBC gets their hands on surfing and breakdancing... They get people who actually know what they're talking about. Right. And are good at communicating it. Let's hope so. Because I got to tell you, was not fun to watch. Well, speaking of people who are good at communicating. Yeah. Let's talk about today's <laughs> let's, yes, episode. Let's talk about today's show. We've got a little bit of lightning round action for you. And we're going to get that started off. Our lightning rounds are questions that we ask to everyone we interview. And they are the same questions or similar if you're if they're in a, a role that's tertiary to being an athlete or being some element of the Olympics. And uh, we like to, every once in a while, pull some of those together and share them with you. Today, we're going to start off with the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant, our Olympic wrestling announcer. Take a listen. Lightning round. So what is your first memory of the Olympics? First memory of the Olympics were getting the mugs from McDonald's in 1984, the coffee mugs with Sam the Eagle. So oh, the is coolest... that where I got my coffee mug? I have a Sam the Eagle I coffee think they're mug. From, I think they're from McDonald's. Yeah, I think they're from McDonald's. I was, I'm, I'm 39, so at the time I was about five, uh, okay. if you do the math. So I remember getting those. I remember the first memories of actually the games mm-hmm. uh, of competition were prob- was probably – Florence Griffith Joyner, okay, uh, you know the FloJo era, and Ben Johnson on the cover of Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, going cheat. I can't remember what the SI cover was, but it was like cheated or you know scandal or something like that. Ben oh, Johnson, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure I could Google it and find the image. So I guess that would have been what was that? Uh, was that 88? 
Yeah, I, I want to say that 88, 92, really, from the Olympics perspective, and 96 when it comes to wrestling, because I got into wrestling um, right around that time, and, and I had a high school teammate who was was in the hospital at the time, and we were watching the Olympic Games from the waiting room, and we were watching Kurt Angle and Kendall Cross win gold uh, in 96. So those are my 96 is the first wrestling Olympics okay. that I really paid attention to, but definitely the, the Flojo era, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Carl Lewis. I mean, and then the Sam Eagle pins and, and the mugs, probably that from 84. What is your favorite vocal warm up? I don't do vocal. Warm-ups. You don't do. War- okay. Wow. No, I just basically it's I, I joke. It's the how now brown cow, you know, the, the Ron Burgundy joking stuff. But I just make sure that I got lozenges. I make sure I got water and I make sure I'm hydrated and try not to get sick. So, I mean, there isn't like a vocal warm up to it. Okay. I just, or I will, I will sometimes practice a little bit. So maybe warming up in that respect, be like, I'll be in the car or, or something. If I'm by myself, be like wrestling on Matt A. I'll just kind of practice to myself a little okay. bit. So I guess that could be considered a warm up. What Olympic sport would you do or announce for besides wrestling? Anything that would let me do it, to be honest with you. Um, there are probably some caveats, some exceptions. I have to say, no, I don't necessarily like winter games. Sorry, you're not getting me to do the biathlon. <laughs> That's, I don't want to be outside in, in the cold. But uh, summer games, you know, I'd, I'd love to be, you know, I could do, I've done eight sports, eight, nine, ten sports. I mean, I, you know, we, we, before we even started this, I mean, I've announced roller derby. I've announced mm-hmm. field hockey. I did the NCAA, 2000 NCAA Division One field hockey national championships. So, uh, you know, I've got an experience in various sports. So I, I think I'll be honest, the coolest thing I want to do, though, and mm-hmm. this is probably getting again cart way before the horse here is, is in 2028. I'd like to to be able to have the opportunity to be the English speaking announcer at the opening ceremonies. That's probably ah. the one thing that is bigger than any event. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen. I got 10 years to work on that. That is I'm actually probably throwing it out there hopefully no other uh, olympic announcers are listening to know that that's my goal and start going going after it but that's that's the one thing i think i would like to do at the olympics because wrestling i mean i've done it once yeah i mean i can Mm -hmm. that's the highest we go in the sport right so but you know it'd be cool to probably call basketball you know any of the team sports i know uh, beach volleyball is really cool i don't have a whole i've got some volleyball experience but like i went to beach volleyball events and they are crazy wild it's fun like you know that's that you want to uh, maybe borrow some of those things and bring them to wrestling, but I, any sport that's you know that an announcer is is pretty much key for, I'd I'd love to. So it's I really am non discriminatory in, in what I like about sports. Nice. Did did they give you like a participation tchotchke or something? The Rio people. Let's see. I can. What I can do is here. I'm, I got my webcam over here, so you can see on the wall. That over there, these two, I know it's I know it's probably yeah. a video, but over here I, I've got basically two shadow boxes mm-hmm. of pins and things I've, I've got. So I keep my credentials and okay. they did give us a, a pin for the work uh, workforce. They gave us a couple of those. So I have uh, a USOC. Actually, yes, I do actually have a, an Olympic rings badge sign. Well, it's not sign sign, but it's like from from Thomas Bach. So, yeah, there is an actual pin and a card that I did receive. So there's something that actually does commemorate it other than keeping my, uh, my pins and my credentials. Okay. And those are in your office. I will. They're right that's here. Our, yeah. I've got, I've got my, my, the, the shrine to me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, you know, everything in this office is pretty much wrestling or, or stuff. That's like newspaper clippings. And then, uh, some pictures of my kids. So, and lastly, you got a lot to choose from. What is your favorite Olympic souvenir besides a credential? 
Oh, man. Favorite Olympic souvenir. As I'm looking, do I have any? Oh, uh, probably probably the coins that I picked up from London. There is They, they had these, uh, the, these 25 pence, like quarters, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that had the different sports on them. And I, oh, okay. I a bunch of them. So uh, when I was at USA Wrestling, I saw one in, in Rich Bender's office, who's executive director. I was like, Rich, do we have any more of those? And he goes, here. I'm like, Sweet. Well, I didn't get it actually in London. It is. It's somewhere behind me. It's over okay. here somewhere. But okay. Yeah. Kind so I've got like, all the coins and the sports. Like, uh, kind of like how we did with the the national parks and the state quarters. Yes. Okay. Exactly. That's cool because they did that in Vancouver too. For uh, in Canada, I have a couple of their quarters for when they had the Winter Olympics. Ah, uh, yes. So- my friends up in Kanakistan. <laughs> a Canadian told me that, so I can say that. Andy Ross at 49 North Wrestling told me that one, so I can I can I can say that that's not a yeah likely anyway. better like likely better food options in oh, that state. Love, and I went up there for their Olympic trials in 15. It was great. Oh, very cool. Oh man, man. Well, Jason, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Jason. Jason is doing TV announcing at the Asian Wrestling Championships in China this week, which. Oh my gosh, if you're following him on Twitter or uh, Facebook, his posts are pretty amazing. He's been having a grand old time in China. (laughs) He has. It's been exciting. I mean, what a gig to get. But he has got some talent, man. He's got some good pipes. It always makes me jealous when I listen to him because I'm like, oh. I know. And then he talks about how, oh yeah, I don't do vocal exercises. Of course you don't because you're perfect. You just came out of the womb like that. Probably his cries were dulcet when he was a baby, too. Can you imagine? That would be great to be his mom. What's wrong, Jason? I'm feeling a bit weary today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jason. Moving on to our sustainability expert, Matthew Campelli. This was a lot of fun because if you listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago on uh, sustainability in the Olympics, we uh, alluded to the fact that we've got a nickname for him and we call him M-Camp and here you can find out why. Take a listen. Lightning round. What is your first memory of the Olympics? Oh, my first memory of the Olympics is Atlanta 96 and Michael Johnson breaking the, um, the world record for the 200 meters. Okay, and if you could attend any Olympics, winter or summer, and it doesn't matter whether you were alive or not, which one would you pick? Oh, you know, I'd probably go to either Moscow 80 or LA 84, just because of the political, the political, um, the political environment at the time. It must have been so interesting to, to you know, to see those games, particularly with the, you know the Cold War and uh, the embargoes and all that kind of stuff. So those would have been, and the LA Olympics was a really great, really great Olympics by all accounts. I wasn't alive, but it would have been great to to experience it. Okay, and what sport would you compete in that you haven't competed in, like even at a, a high school or collegiate level? I've always had a thing for handball. I never watch it outside the Olympics, but I think it's a really, really cool sport. Um, so handball or perhaps even breakdancing now that we've put that on the, on the roster. So, um, yeah, maybe one of those two, I think. What would your B-boy name be? My B-boy name? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, probably, I, I'd probably, um, using the inspiration you've got for T-Buck, I'd probably go for M-Camp maybe. <laughs> I like that, M-Camp. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a financial product, I have to say. It sounds like a... <laughs> 
<laughs> like I have an MCAM cap. <laughs> well, you can make that a sustainability thing. Like yeah. it's a carbon offset. There you go. You know, it's a carbon offset account. Your MCAM. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Olympic souvenir or sort of tchotchka that you've collected at some point? You know, nothing strictly from the actual Olympic Games, but my, my son was born about a week or two before the London 2012 Games. And we bought, um, at a time we were living close to London, and we went and we went and we bought a, a replica gold medal for my son just to kind of commemorate his birth. So I guess that's probably, that's probably the, that's the only, I think, piece of memorabilia, but it's probably my favorite. <laughs> And you got your son from the London Olympics. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <I did. laughs> one of my, nice, my, my memories of the Olympics is, is my son, like a few weeks old, resting on my chest with me, trying to watch as many events as possible. Perfect. It's, you know, I have, I have a friend who had her first kid during Athens. And mm-hmm. I, th- then I know when the child was always born. Just like okay, uh-huh. that was the and that was the Athens Olympics, and she has a son too, and I have no idea when that. Kid, I don't remember that kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Sarah, he could be, he could be five could, or twelve. My daughter, I could not go to. Uh, Jill went to Salt Lake City, and I couldn't go with her because I just found out I was pregnant. Oh wow! Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I guess I can't <laughs> travel right now. Like not the best time to be, you know, in giant crowds and. <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. M Camp. I'm sorry, I should just call you M Camp from now on. (laughs) You've earned yourself a nickname. I'll change my my Twitter handle as soon as we go off the call. (laughs) Only if you stand on your head and spin around a little bit for us. We'll we'll post that video. Thank you so much, Matthew. The IOC just released a document called Sustainable Sourcing in Sport, which is the third issue of their Sustainability Essentials series, a guide to help organizations within the Olympic movement and the wider sports sector adopt more sustainable sourcing practices. Do you think we'll see M. Camp on the B-Boy circuit anytime I'm, soon? I'm still waiting to see him spin on his head. Well, you That's know what? My- I, I did see on Twitter where he had some completely sustainable... This is going to get me in trouble in my house. He had, <laughs> uh, he did have on Twitter, and you could follow him at Matt Campelli, and he had uh, some spit pictures of this one comp- 100% recyclable running shoe from Adidas, or as we argue in my house, it really should be Adidas. Did you ever have that argument? Did you know no. that? No. Do you remember? Did were you around when we did a shoe? No. project or doing a project and and calling it adidas adidas and then i realized oh it's because it's these german brothers and that's why they say that but in our house if reverend run says adidas then we say adidas so cause for consternation there but m camp said I thought you were gonna say that he posted himself spinning on his head no gosh i wish right come on m camp how you doing on that train harder (laughs) anyway it it was interesting to see some completely recyclable running shoes and be there's only 200 in the world right now but wow i would think there would be more maybe i don't know it maybe they're still kind of testing it and prototyping it a little bit yeah i know it nike you can recycle your sneakers yes which we do stores. a lot, yes. You can, and, and yeah. not even Ni- Nike shoes. You can take whatever, and then they grind them up and put them into playground turf. 
kind of thing. Which things. makes perfect sense to me. Yes. And then there's the recycling jeans at Madewell. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be Madewell jeans. So Correct. there's lots of different things going on in, in different avenues, which is really fascinating. And now we've got our sustainable sport. Yeah. I'm hoping to see more. And finally, today we have our Team Olympic Fever archivist, Terry Hedgepeth. Let's listen to some of the sports she would like to try. Lightning round! First, for you, what is your favorite medal design? Do you have a favorite year? Yes. Uh, 1932 Lake Placid Winter Games. I love the metal design. It's fluted on the edges. You have the Adirondack Mountains uh, on the front of the metal. You have the skating oval in there. There's so much detail. Um, The bobsled run, the ski jump. And don't forget, this is 1932 in the midst of the Depression. It is a beautiful metal. It's one of my favorites all time. Um, What is your first memory of the Olympics where you became aware of them? Um, I have to say 1976, watching Dorothy Hamill uh, figure skating. Um, I was in Kentucky, and I can just remember kind of being in my PJs with my my folks watching the Olympic Games. And and this was, you know, I get chills thinking about that. You know, we we had the little itty-bitty TV, black and white, wasn't color or anything. And, you know, this is the thing that brought you together. Every four years, it was magical. And, you know, TV programming stopped you know, regular TV programming, and you got to watch these sports you'd never seen before. You know, Kentucky, I'm farm girl. I didn't know about figure skating. And I can remember going out into the pond and trying to mimic, you know, a figure skater. I'm a farm girl. It wasn't pretty. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's what every little girl did after watching Dorothy. You know, you just absolutely did. Did you get the haircut? <clears throat> No, I have curly hair. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I've had short hair. It never looked like Dorothy Hamill's, but um, uh, yeah, I did not get the haircut. <laughs> when you first went into the, the basement, do you remember the first thing you pulled out? Gosh, no. I, I Probably box one. I mean, I started with box one and, and continued, so it would be uniforms. And um, I think box one through 40 were strictly uniforms uh, when I first came in. So I, I wish I could tell you what item it was. I mean, if I looked at my database, I could. <laughs> what Olympic sport would you do or coach? And running is not an option since you are a runner. Oh, dang it. Oh, crap. <laughs> Has to be something you don't do. Yeah. Not fencing either. Fencing's off the table, too. Okay. Well, um, then I'm actually going to cheat, and and I'm going to do two. Modern pen and triathlon. Modern pen because I fenced, I rode horses, I ran. I'm a horrible swimmer, but I can shoot. So I would think, you know, you know, looking back and like, if I'd only known about modern pentathlon when I was a little girl, I could have been a contender. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think of that in your head because I, I can ride a horse. I can run. I can fence. Why not? 
uh, so modern pen and uh, triathlon because I geek out when I Gwen Jorgensen, you know, just won the first gold medal in women's triathlon, and I, I love her story from a swimmer to a triathlete, and now she's going into marathon. I just I just think it's phenomenal the the range that some of our athletes have. Lastly, I don't know if this is. No, I'm, I'm talking to myself now. But what do you do? You have a because uh, I, I would say it, the question is like, what's your favorite Olympic souvenir? But you probably don't have any because you're an archivist. But what, do you have a favorite item, or what is your favorite item of the moment? Wow that 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 is a tough tough question. Well, my favorite collection of the moment is Gordy's, and that's all the Olympic <laughs> prize medals and, and participation medals and torches. But, you, you know, um, I think my I think if I were to look at, you know, of uh, the different categories that we have, and, you know, we have uniforms and pins and patches and uh, decals and equipment, you name it, we have it. I, I honestly, I love the competition uniforms because our athletes wore those, and I, I just, I, I really like that. We received, and this is totally different, we received this huge $75 coin from the U.S. Marshall Islands. I mean, it fits in the palm of your hand and covers up your palm. It's that big. And I'm looking at it right now because when we receive this, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is too beautiful. It has a picture of Greg Luganus on it. And, I mean, it's just amazing. Like, okay, we're pulling all of our Olympic coins out and we're creating a display because we got this awesome coin. I mean, that was so unique and beautiful. I've never seen a $75 coin before. And all of the coins that we have on display are legal tender in some country or another. I just I just thought it was beautiful and, and, and unique. And Greg Luganis, I, I remember a documentary um, that, oh, my goodness, I can't think of the gentleman's name, uh, Bud Greenspan did. And uh, they're talking about diving. And there is diving and there is perfection and there is beauty and there is precision and then there is Greg Luganus. I'm like, yes. I mean, he was that caliber. He is that caliber. So, I mean, I, I, I look at that and like, I love the athlete. I love this awesome coin. And yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's the quirky things that just get me. You're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. We got to display that somehow and get people interested in it. Don't put that in the parking meter bun steak. No. <laughs> think it would fit <laughs> thank goodness yeah <laughs> we were just talking about I, I had a meeting with uh, someone earlier this week and we were just talking about the olympic coin program we were wondering if that was ever going to come back if they were going to do something again for la 2028 or not you know it's like oh i hope so it'd be kind of neat just you know from an archival standard to have a piece of that history in our archive and like i know i have a couple of quarters from canada when they had 2010 and put like our states and national parks, how they did that on the reverse of their quarters. And I think London did something too for 2012. And it's really cool to be able to have that moment, you know, when you just open up your wallet and there you go, it's a little Olympic reminder. 
Yeah. I mean, and I have all the state quarters. Yeah, I'm a collector, you know. I'm not a huge collector of, of, you know, anything, but, you know, state, yeah, that was kind of neat to see those come through. And so, yeah, it'd be kind of neat if they did an Olympic coin, you know, um, each event or something like that that you could collect. It would be awesome. It would be cool. Well, Terry, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. We really appreciate it. You were so nice. You didn't ask me my favorite Olympic moment. My goodness gracious. That's um, like I'm going to share that with child. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a runner, and my favorite Olympic moment is actually Billy Mills, 1964, winning the 10,000 meters. I just I love that story. I love watching it. Google Billy Mills, 1964, 10,000 meters, and listen to the commentator. And he goes through the lineup of everyone who's running this race and, you know, who should win it, blah, blah, blah. And Billy Mills from the United States, not expected to be a threat in this race. You know, I mean, it's like, wow. His newspaper back home, you know, plants, Billy Mills wins 10,000 meter gold. And they're like, who, who? Billy Mills, who, Billy, who is that? You know, our Billy Mills, he was in the Marines at the time. And it was like, oh my gosh, I, I just totally love it. He's bumped off the, the course, he gets back on and it's, it's my all-time favorite race to watch. Do you have any of the artifacts from him? No. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I was out running today. It was like, I really need to just start stalking him. And I mean, <laughs> in a nice way, you know, a very nice way. A lot of our athletes have donated their uniforms to other historic institutions, um, have given things to their coaches. A lot of them give them to their universities. So, you know, here I am coming on, you know, 40, 50 years after the fact, asking for something. And, and I'm a little, you know, I'm decades late, unfortunately. Oh, well, Terry, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Terry. Terry has just put up a new display leading into the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games with graphics and historic artifacts to celebrate Team USA and the athletes. She posted that on LinkedIn, so you can see pictures if you follow her there. It's really cool. It was so nice talking to her. She's so nice. I know. I can't wait till we get out there. Oh, I know. It won't be this summer. No, but probably because the museum will open next summer, I believe. Okay. So we'll have to go out. That'll be the plan. Yeah. And if you get out there before us, send us pictures. Yeah, right? Say hello for us. I know. Say hi, Terry. I heard you on the show. So we are planning our ha- on having our book club meeting next week, and we're reading The Second Mark, Courage, Corruption, and the Battle for Olympic Gold by Joy Goodwin. There is still time to get a copy, and believe you me, I am about halfway through it myself, so there is plenty of time to get a copy and start in reading. Uh, you can shop through the Amazon link on oldlimbfever.com, and that will help support the show. Also, we want to know what our next book should be, so let's talk it out on our Facebook group, which is Olympic Fever Podcast, or hit us up on Twitter and Insta at Fever. So I'm very excited. It's a really good book, very enthralling. I mean, we've talked about how they've gotten into the three pairs backstories, because this is about the 2002 judging scandal during the Paris figure skating competition, and it was between... uh, Russian pair, Chinese pair, and a Canadian pair, and the backstories of all three of those groups are very fascinating. And makes me feel like I don't do anything. Right? We have got it easy. Oh, man, have we got it easy. Yeah, even the Canadians. It's like you'd think that 
No, no. It's hard. Moving on to some IOC news. We're sad to report that IOC honorary member, uh, His Royal Highness Grand Duke Jean of Luxembourg, has died at the age of 98. He was the honorary president of the National Olympic Committee of Luxembourg and the patron of several sports federations within the country. He joined the IOC in 1946 and became an honorary member in 1998, which is basically a retirement status. And when he was a full member of the IOC, he was chair of the IOC Rules Reviewing Commission from 1973 to 76 and a member of the IOC Commission of Inquiry for the Winter Games in 1968 and 69. So our condolences to his family. Yeah, part of one of my royal families of Europe that involved with the Olympics. Yeah, he abdicated in 2000, so that makes right. sense that he reti- that he became the uh honorary member in 98 mm-hmm. for his son. So mm-hmm. moving on to our Tokyo 2020 update. Some more information is coming about out about ticket sales and uh, there was a great article in the Asahi Shimbun which uh, talked about ticket sales as the least understood side of the Olympics and in with talking with listeners I know that's pretty true. So uh, we are gearing up to get ticket sales going in Japan on May 9th, and that's only for Japanese residents. And they'll be able to enter a lottery, but I know that go on the Tokyo2020.org site and uh, you'll find that you have to get an ID to register for the lottery. So that's just for Japanese residents. Right, and even... The inf- the little bit of information that we've gotten about ticket sales in the U.S., for example, or in other countries, mm-hmm. it's very unclear as to how this is all going to work and when. And so I, right. I hope we can – I mean, we've been t- trying to get some people to talk to about this because it's it's a confusing thing every single time. And you would think they would want to make ticket sales simple and straightforward – and yet that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, I don't. And, and maybe it's on the reseller end because that's what everybody who's not the host nation has to deal with are the resellers. And here in the U.S. we have CoSport and they also handle sales in Australia and Jordan and a few European countries. So then you have to deal with the reseller. And of course, they're going to mark up the ticket charges because that's they need to make some money by the handling fees. So we're working on that as well to get you some more information on that. Because if you're confused, you are with everybody else. Right, right. But the the key things are, key dates are May 9th, they go on sale in Japan, and June 15th is the rest of the world. All right. Moving over to our Team Olympic Fever update. Toffel. I remembered. (laughs) Sarah Gascon and Team USA Handball went to Luxembourg for a training camp and they played uh, four friendly matches and they got at least two wins and a draw, which was interesting to see a tie happen because I was actually watching that game and it was really fun and really fast paced and it just it ended in a tie and they said uh, USA Team Handball had told me, yeah, when you're doing a friendly match like that, you can always end in a draw. 
that was very cool. It was very exciting. And they got a lot of, it looks like they got a lot of good practice and there was a lot of good competition. So that was good. I'm excited for and, them going into Canada. And I can safely say that this is the first episode where we've had two pieces of news from Luxembourg. <laughs> I know. Dateline, Luxembourg. I know. My goodness. What is happening over there? I guess it's excitement country. And then our team Olympic fever climber, Josh Levin, had his first FISE World Cup event in Japan, where he placed 12th in bouldering. So very good news. And I did watch some of the footage from that. Those guys are unbelievable. Yeah, the, that is kind of fascinating, I think, to watch. I've watched some, and, and I got to say, like, how they figure out the problems and the strength oh, they have. Oh, my I'm gosh. I'm just fascinated by the fact that they are parallel to the earth and sort of <laughs> suspended by two fingers. Just the physicality of it. Because, of course, even though Josh explained it to me, I still don't entirely get all the I mean obviously I don't get all the nuances mm -hmm. but just watching the physicality was really fascinating so now that we have somebody to cheer for that yeah it helps now right. it gives me a reason to watch it because I'm actually enjoying it good 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 so yay Josh you've introduced me right and we should have Josh back on the show in a few weeks um, he's going to tell us how he got into sport climbing and hopefully we'll talk some uh, ninja warrior stuff with him as well so if you've got questions let us know and uh, you can always uh, hit us up on the Facebook group that we mentioned before and Twitter and Insta at Olim Fever. And you can also email us at info at olimfever.com. We love hearing from you. In other Olympic-related news, there's been a movie project bouncing around Hollywood about Richard Jewell, who went from being a hero in the Atlanta 1996 Olympic bombing to being a suspect, and apparently Clint Eastwood is trying to direct this movie now. So we will see if um, that is uh, going to happen. I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie about the bombing, actually. True, because it would it, it's got a lot of intrigue. It's a big event, especially for the time, and actually not that far away from Munich 1972. I mean, right. that was still fresh in people's minds in, in, in a specific generation. I mean, how this wasn't a TV, at, at very least, you know, a TV movie with Carl Malden. <laughs> how did that not happen? Don't know, but we'll keep an eye on that and hopefully we'll be able to watch that story unfold on the screen. Do you got anything else for us today? No, I think we're good. Okay. I think we're ready to get out in the sunshine. All right. Do some That's running. Good. Yeah. Some kind of Olympic activity. Maybe we'll do some breakdancing. I'll go spit on my head. <laughs> Show Am Camp how it's done. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Because M Camp said he's half Italian. I wonder if he could get Italian citizenship. And I'll get my Italian citizenship. And we could do like a mixed pair <gasps> for Italy. You <gasps> could. Oh, Matt, I am on it. All right. Now we, we got to figure out what my big girl name would be. We'll wait for listener suggestions. Yeah, on right. That <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. If you if you've got ideas on what Allison's B girl name could be, let us know. We are at info at olimfever dot com. I'm looking forward to hearing those suggestions. And I think on that note, we'll wrap it up for this week. We'll catch you back here next week for more Olympic stories. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olimfever at gmail dot com. 
That's O-L-Y-M-Fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. If you're confused, you are with everybody else.